Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Uh, I am your host, Holly, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Thiessen. Hey, everyone. I'm doing pretty well. Um, uh, it's a, a dreary kind of rainy day out there, but um, is there any other kind these these days? So there's lots to be joyful about in the world. That is true. Yeah. Wow. How are you, Holly? I, you know, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty good. It's also the same. It's you know kind of a gloomy day out, but um, you know there's uh, there's youth tonight, so there is uh, that always nice. to look forward to. Those are yeah. good. Um, so, you know, I would say I'm sitting at like a solid seven and a half out of, well, maybe okay. seven up. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. you know, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's pretty good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I'm really excited for our uh, podcast today. We are having a conversation with Andrew Evans, who was my youth professor at uh, Summit Pacific College where I attended. Mm-hmm. So yeah, today you're going to get a glimpse into, uh, yeah, the, the people who really taught me everything that I know about youth ministry was uh, Craig and Andrew. So yeah, we'll uh, talk about a wide variety of uh, subjects. And, yeah, it's not, uh, well, it's not just a youth ministry conversation, really. It's, it's uh, no. culture and theology and um, mm. online church and, uh, you know, more than just youth ministry, but with specific touch points on youth culture and youth ministry. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it's a very interesting conversation. So I hope that, uh, yeah, you all enjoy listening to this. And uh, without further ado, I'll, uh, yeah, we'll turn it over to our conversation with Andrew. Cool. Well, hello, everybody. And welcome, Andrew, to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Andrew, it's great to have you here. Well, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah. So for those of our listeners, uh, Andrew Evans works at Summit. And he was my a youth professor in college. So any of my, uh, you know, the kiddos listening, uh, you know, everything that I've learned in youth ministry has basically come from these two people right here, <laughs> from Craig and Andrew. So yeah, we're very excited to uh, talk to you today. Oh, yeah, good. We, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So we need to, we have to start by asking Andrew what Holly was like as a student <laughs> at Summit Pacific College. Perfect. Well, what, what, I remember one class in particular, we'd, we'd, somebody would text her say, hey, are you on your way to class yet? <laughs> that literally, that was just the story I was thinking of because I remember I felt so bad that day. Um, you know, punctuality is something I, I work on. I've gotten better over the years, I think. I don't know. You can ask Craig. But um, I definitely remember waking up for that class and it was Devin Martinson sent me a text yeah. and he was like, oh, Andrew is like really mad that you're not <laughs> in the so class. Good. And it was like such a small class. Like there was only like seven or eight of us. So I just remember I walked in and it was just like silence. Like Andrew just like <laughs> didn't even look at me. <laughs> I just sat awkwardly in my seat. <laughs> and then the whole class kind of started laughing. <laughs> uh, that was good. I remember that very clearly. That was pretty good. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, was it a morning class? It was probably a morning class oh, yeah <laughs> you know it was an 8 a.m class on a friday morning oh yikes yeah yeah that's, yeah. Exactly so that's a tough was. one yeah that was a yeah was a tough one it was an interesting class but uh yeah the time even i still have trouble getting places at 8 a.m <laughs> well you, my, the, you should know Holly. Tr- we've changed we've changed our start time to 8 30 now oh what yeah. <laughs> oh my 
goodness. <laughs> Let's be After honest. That, that that wouldn't help you, Holly. Let's be honest. That, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, you would be so a morning person if the morning was moved to the afternoon. But, um, you know, until that, that happens. Is so true oh my goodness yeah uh, my alarm clocks like they're so ambitious like you know if i would just listen to them and the times that i set for myself to get up uh, i'd be so successful i like <laughs> i like how you say alarm clocks like there's yeah. more yeah. than one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. as if it's like an actual clock yeah, yeah. no i just set multiple alarms and yeah. uh snooze a lot of them yeah yeah. Oh man. Good, good times. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we kick things off, Andrew? You can tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, uh, your family, uh, your journey of faith, that, those kind of things. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a small town on the West coast uh, called Powell river. So it's kind of oh, hard to get yeah. to. It's on the sunshine coast. Right. You have to take a ferry or a boat, but it's on yeah. the mainland. Uh, so I grew up in a Pentecostal church. What was that? I've been there once. Been there once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to retire yeah. and maybe visit. But uh, growing up <laughs> there right. was interesting. Yeah. Uh, if, you feel, if, if you feel isolated with the pandemic, that was my whole growing up. <laughs> um, but yeah. I just feel uh, I grew up in a, um, yeah, in, in Powell River. And then I came to Bible college right out of high school. I just felt called when I was a teenager at camp and at camp, I just felt God leading me in the direction. I just, all I knew is I wanted to preach. I didn't really know much beyond that. And uh, a buddy of mine there, uh, we heard of summit at that time. It was called Western Pentecostal Bible college. And so I felt, well, that's, that's the only place I know. So let's go there. But it was there that God really, um, really got a hold of my heart and called me towards youth ministry in particularly. Uh, and so um, uh, we didn't have a youth ministry program at the time. There was one course I think we could take. The rest of it was like just pastoral theology, general courses that we could take. Right. And my last year, I think a youth pastor in our district who had his master's was able to teach a course, which was helpful. Uh, but uh, when I graduated, I was about 21. Uh, I married my wife, who was 19. So we were married pretty young. And then we moved all the way to Winnipeg. Now, she was from Victoria and I was from Powell River and she had never lived a day outside of her parents' home. And we moved to Winnipeg and we knew two people. So that was, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I was a youth pastor in Winnipeg uh, for a few years. Then we made our way back to Vancouver. And so I think I, I was in full-time youth ministry for about 13 and a half years uh, in the lower mainland. The last one was a, a Sydney church um, just outside Victoria on Vancouver Island. Uh, just off the ferry terminal there, there's a uh, the church there. And so, um, and then after that, I, I decided to come to, to our, the position opened up at Summit and I decided to come here. Uh, but that, the journey that I was on as a youth pastor, uh, I mean, it was interesting. There were some really good times in ministry and then some really difficult, hard times that were, uh, you know, like life is hard. Ministry can be hard. Probably the most difficult time, not a ministry time, but about um, 11 years ago, no, 12 years ago now, 12 years ago this, uh, this March, our youngest daughter passed away. Mm -hmm. So she was born with some significant um, um, issues already in, in her brain. Yeah. She seemed to develop okay. But then about two months, she started developing seizures. And about six months, she had her first grandma seizure. And mm -hmm. so she was with us for 13 months. And, mm -hmm. 
And when she passed away, yeah, that was definitely the most difficult thing that I ever had to walk through. Yeah. Uh, as a as a husband, as a father, uh, as a minister, trying to trying to care and minister for for teens and for a church during that that period was was difficult. Uh, but through it all, God was so faithful. He he gave us strength. My wife Nellie and I strength to. Um, to carry on, to care for people who needed to be cared for, to find the places we could be cared for. And, uh, and just, I mean, it was, it was, it, it was probably the most significant moment in my life that really helped me understand um, how God might view our suffering, mm. particularly like working with teenagers. One of the things that always compels me and draws me back is the, the hurt and the anguish that, that some of them deal with on a daily basis. And in my, in my, uh, earlier years, I'm just like, God, I understand why you just, just fix it. Why don't you just do something? But I remember clearly in the midst of when my, our daughter was really sick and we were just, just praying, Nellie and I were just praying at home. And I just was kneeling and weeping on the carpet in the front, in the, in the living room. And I just felt like I was in this pit, dark pit, and I couldn't see anything around me. And I was just weeping. And then all of a sudden I felt a presence with me in that pit and it was Jesus. And I turned to him and he was weeping. Mm. And so that moment helped me to really, and just, I think that's what keeps me going. When I think of youth ministry, that's why I, I, I teach youth ministry. That's why I want to be involved in youth ministry. That's why I love coaching hockey, uh, because I can bring that presence into the life of a teenager when they just need that presence. They just need someone to weep with them, someone to celebrate with them, someone to uh, live life with them. And uh, so my kids are teenagers now. I have two of a, a daughter. She's 16. So she just got her L. So oh we've been dri- <laughs> driving all over town. Wow. Oh, she must have been like, when you when you started, she would have been like grade one or two when you started. Oh, yeah. Summer, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, you had one kid that was just about to start middle school, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been Olivia. And then uh, my son, he's, he's 14. Um. But yeah, so I so I'm a youth pastor at home. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, and then um, and I, I for the last four years I've co- coached hockey. I'm not coaching this year, but uh, I've I've coached it for the last four years, um, because I, that's I just I just love to be there, you know, just yeah. it, just to be a presence. And so that's been that was the most significant um, moment in my ministry that really shaped my ministry. Mm-hmm. And even, even what I teach now and where I'm at and, and it's always, it's always there. So I spent, I've been here at seven, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be, when I came here, I had a master's, which that's what allowed me to teach at summit. But then while I was here, I got my doctorate at Gordon Conwell in uh, ministry to emerging generations. So that was, um, developed a catechism, uh, and if you know anything about Pentecostal circles, we don't use catechism. So that was a bit of a bold move, but we're using it at Living Waters Church and it's almost fully developed and we're looking at uh, expanding it. And, and um, yeah, it's geared towards middle schoolers, but the Living Waters has been using for their high schoolers because um, students are just so biblically illiterate that they're, they're like, we don't understand any of this. So it's really, it's just introductory stuff, but it's just really good for them to help increase their theological comprehension. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So I guess that's kind of a snapshot where, um, and then here at, at Summit, I mean, I've been teaching the youth ministry program. This is my 11th year. And now we we just last year or two years ago, we were partnering with uh, Coalition for Youth Ministry Excellence. That's Mark Penner mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. up in Kelowna. And we, we provide a Master of Arts in Youth Ministry now, a, a full master's degree. 
And we're also so, looking at taking the, the youth ministry uh, grad certificate global, like international to other countries. Okay. So we're just in conversations about this. There's lots of exciting stuff happening. Yeah. And that's a, I guess that's a pretty a snapshot of, of uh, kind of where I came and where I am now. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Marv was my uh, youth ministry professor at Briarcrest in uh, 2000. Get out of here. So, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Marv is Marv. We we Marv is the grandfather of youth ministry yeah. in in Canada for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so so then you know he has all those connections, right? So at the coalition, he's got um, all these top notch youth ministry educators yeah. coming and teaching for like a fraction of the cost it would normally cost. Yeah, yeah, so. he's he's well connected. That guy's got a, a giant heart. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you like about what you do now? Oh, you know what. There's a lot of things I like about it, but um, probably what I like the most about it is I feel like I'm in my sweet spot. Mm. Every year, when I was in youth ministry, I love youth ministry. I love the um, the day to day. I love spending time with teenagers. I love discipling and preaching. Particularly, I love preaching and teaching. Mm. Uh, but at at Summit, I get to do the things I love the most: research and teach and mentor. Mm. Right. And yeah. so um, when I was in youth ministry, every two years I'd be like, man, I feel it. like. I got to do something new or I got to move somewhere. Or, you know, I just, when I was feeling tired two years, like, Oh, two years. It's only been two years. It feels like five years. <laughs> but then when I got here, at least my 11th year, I feel like I just got here. And even yeah. just yesterday, I was talking to Nellie and my wife for just saying, like, I was just so excited. It was such a great class we had. And I was just so energized. So even this morning, I taught principles of teaching. Holly, you remember oh, yeah. that class? Oh, that was a um, fun class. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. like, there's it's just so much. I don't know. It's, there's just something about it that makes me come alive. And so I think that oh, being yeah. here, just, I feel like I'm in my sweet spot. I love research. So I, mm-hmm. I, I try and read up as many books as I can, listen to podcasts. Um, I'm not so great. It's funny. Cause I'm not so great at the, you know, like there's t- Ted talks and YouTube videos that I could watch easy, but I just, I never gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. My kids do, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, I think I kind of prefer to sit with a book or something like that. And I don't know why, cause it would be a lot easier if I could just watch the videos, <laughs> but um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. And, um, learning new things. And then particularly the best thing about this job is when you see, um, somebody get it mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And then you, and then like, for me, exactly like sitting here and talking with Holly, like this is, this is awesome because I, when she was a student here, knowing that I had some small part to play and where she is and who, how she is as a youth pastor and who she's become and, mm-hmm. um, being able to do that for students, just to pour here, here's who I am and here's how I minister. And, and I want to, and I want to help you find how you minister and empower you in that. So it's really exciting to, to be part of that and, and to, uh, just, it's just an honor. Mm-hmm. Really, it's really an honor to be yeah. able to disciple and mentor future leaders in particular Holly. Like I've had her come to my class a couple of times because I think mm-hmm. that she has, um, she personifies the the endurance and the perseverance that Paul talks about that we need mm. um, in ministry and stuff like that. So yeah, so it's just it's just an honor and, and a joy. So it gives me lots of energy and joy. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Thanks. Wow. Seriously, yeah, it is so cool to kind of like come full circle and like chat and be able to do this. And I even remember like yeah, when I was first like looking for like a job, getting settled in ministry too. Like you were such a support in that. Like it went past like just like it didn't just like I feel like your kind of mentorship didn't just end like right when I graduated like mm-hmm. you were invested in like following the journey of me getting into a ministry position too so I I think that's really really cool mm-hmm. um wow also just like thinking about 
like uh, the principles of teaching class. I like, I completely kind of just put that out of my brain. And now that I, now that you said that, I'm like, that was probably one of my favorite class. Like I, for our listeners in this class, we got to just like pick any topic and come up with like just a presentation for it. And my group, I think we did uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. And it was like one of the most like fun times of my life. Just coming up with that. Oh, what an absolute blast. So much fun. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. Oh my gosh. I love it. Anyways. So okay, yeah, let's kind of transition into talking a little bit about youth ministry specifically. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that currently face um, youth workers? Um, I, when I, I read that question, when you sent it to me and the first thing I, I wrote down and I'm, I, I was just trying to reflect and think through it, but the first thing I wrote down was loneliness. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say loneliness is, uh, because I mean, not just because of COVID and we can't see anybody or anything like that, but as you, you, Craig and Holly, you know, leadership can be a lonely place. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you feel now, I think these are, this is changing a little bit now, but I think if you feel like you have to have all the answers or if you feel like, you know, um, you have to have, particularly as a pastor, you have to have this persona that I have it all together and, 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 um, who can, and I'm supposed to pastor this church or pastor these youth, who do I go to? Like, who, who's, who, who are my people that I feel like I connect with the people that I trust and, and not just for accountability, but just for a sense of, of purpose outside of, of youth ministry. So I think loneliness can be a, a big piece. Hmm. Um, and then I, there's a couple uh, major trends, macro trends, maybe you'd call it that are going on in our culture that I think are, are a threat to youth ministry and youth workers, uh, and the first one is is expressive individualism. Mm. And so that means, I mean, you've, maybe you've heard this term before. I know Walt Mueller at Center for Parent Youth Understanding, he talks about this quite a bit. And Holly, we probably talked about that. I don't know if we, this was really not really on our radar when you were in college here. I think this is more in the last four years, maybe. Uh, but with expressive individualism, it's basically the idea that um, I have the right to express myself, who I authentically am in any way that I want to, as long as I'm not hurting anybody or hurting myself. Mm-hmm. And so we see that in uh, Nancy Piercy has a good book called Love Thy Body, which really oh, illustrates no, this. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it illustrates yeah. this, that um, uh, the psychology is divorced from the biology, right? It's not our, it's not the physical that matters. It's like the spiritual or the authentic, the psych psychological self, the ego, that's important. And so the struggle now for, for youth ministry and for youth workers is we are calling s- students to not an expressive individualism, but almost like the opposite of that, where we're saying, hey, listen, Christ has created you um, to be part of his body. And that means we have to express ourselves in certain ways that, that match his expectations, mm-hmm. right? He says that we are to go into the world and teach, uh, teach uh, the disciples to uh, to obey his commands, like how, what it looks like to live as a believer and a follower of Christ in the kingdom of God. Um, and mm-hmm. so it, it just kind of goes against um, the grain in our culture. And some of the struggle with that, which we know um, in, in, in the federal government right now, I think it's in the, it's in the courts right now in the, in the uh, I don't know if it's in Supreme Court of Canada or no, but they're they're discussing uh, uh, maybe it's in the government they're discussing this bill on passing this bill about it's not called reparative uh, but therapy it's a therapy you know conversion yeah. therapy right where if you if you identify as gay or lesbian that um, 
that to, for me to counsel you out of that or counsel mm-hmm. you towards a more normal uh, gender or normal uh, or sexual orientation, actually it has become uh, um, like a, a, uh, against the law, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you could be fined, maybe even go to jail. I think the, the fine might be up to 10,000. I think in Edmonton, they have this. They might have it in Vancouver, but they're looking yeah. at making it national, right? And so um, the idea here is it's the, the EFC Evangelical Fellowship of Canada saying it's so broad, that this bill is so broad that even if you're praying with a student, you can be brought up on charges, right? If you're wow. praying, say, God, just they're struggling with this. Can you help them? And so, so that, so that makes it a little bit more difficult because I want to counsel them the way that God, we believe God ordained for them to live and who mm-hmm. he created them to be, you know, uh, the whole idea of we're, um, we're creating God's image. Yes. We're broken by sin, but there's, there's this idea of sanctification, this process of becoming Christ-like. And so not just Christ-like in our spiritual sense, but Christ-like in all our whole being, right? What does it mean for our physical bodies, our psychological selves to serve Christ? And for, if I'm to say to you, Hey, listen, this isn't actually the plan God wants for you. It's this. And they're like, no, 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 that's, that's who I am inside. I, I, so as a youth pastor, that makes it a way more difficult and even a little bit frightening because I, I want to be careful that I I'm, I'm respecting and honoring the person. Cause that's very important in, totally. in Canada and in Canadian law. And, as, you know, just as an individual, as a, you know, we believe everyone's created in God's image. So I want to honor them, but I also um, want to help them follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, more and more, it seems that that is becoming um, very much what our culture is not saying. It's mm-hmm. almost like the greatest sin in our culture is to tell somebody that their lifestyle or who they are is a sin, because it's not like, particularly in, in certain areas, it's not about um, just choices. It's about identity. So if I tell you your choice is wrong, well, your choice is wrapped up in your identity or your orientation is wrapped up in your identity, right? Um, particularly we see with identity. And I mean, and that brings me to my second, I think, real threat for youth ministry and what um, I've heard labeled as fluid identity, right? So you think of identity and it, this is really evident in the gender identity uh, discussion that's going on, particularly with SOGI, so sexual orientation, gender identity. We see this happening in Abbotsford. We see this happening in Chilliwack. Um, <clears throat> Some of the struggle with having a conversation on this is it's very emotional, it's very subjective, um, and it's because it's tied up with identity. So if I tell somebody, I say, listen, I don't believe that God wants you, I don't believe that he wants your sexual orientation to be this way. I'm not saying he's going to take it away. I'm just saying I don't think that's what he wants or that you you identify this way, which is not what we would say. Would They would say cisgender. That would be the term that is appropriate to use. Like normal gendered is not considered appropriate anymore. And so... Uh, cisgender just means your bio- biological gender matches your psychological gender. Um, and so um, for me to, to say that, that you're, you're, I, how you identify in your gender is not how God really intended for us, uh, that's, that's, that's wrong in our culture, right? Yeah. And that's actually a, like a significant wrong. Just try saying that on Facebook once see what happens oh. right mm-hmm. yeah you know uh you get probably get banned from it from facebook instagram all those things if you try and say something like that and so there's this idea about fluidity so gender is fluid uh it's just like a continuum there's no male there's no female you're just wherever you are but the interesting thing about that even with fluid identity and trying not to have like labels is we still have a sense of gender roles in our culture and which I find interesting, and I don't know, like, um, like it would be interesting to have a conversation to think of um, how much we identify our gender identity as the, their actually gender roles. 
Mm. Right. So I feel like, like, I feel like, uh, I'm a male on the outside, but if I say, I feel like a female on the inside, authentically, that's who I am. And, and it's legitimate the way people feel this way. Um, then my question is, what do you mean you feel like a uh, female? What does it, what does it mean to feel like a female? What does it mean to feel like a male? What does it mean for your, your brain to be more male oriented as opposed to female oriented? Where do we get those definitions from? Right. Cause even we talk about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, but what does that mean? Everything, every kind of gender stereotype in the Bible is based on a cultural um, idea from the time that it was written. Mm. Right. So the idea of a manhood and Jesus time might be different from Moses time. Right. And it would be very different from our time. And, and so I think that's one of the biggest, that's a big struggle mm-hmm. when it comes to, um, to youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Does, that, yeah. does that help? Does that mean, is that kind of oh, no, what you're definitely. looking for? Definitely. Yeah. And I think I, I completely agree. And I think it's, it's interesting that kids, like when we're talking about expressive individualism, like for students, like, cause we want to be able to tell them like, you know, your identity is found in like, you're a child of Christ, you're a loved um, child of God. And it seems like that it's just not enough. And I even like sometimes for myself, Craig and I were literally having this conversation yesterday, like in even me as I'm like, when I identify myself, like if I'm having a conversation, it's like, oh, I'm Holly and I'm a youth pastor first. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that like our identity is so wrapped up in like kind of what we do. And it seems like anything else other than like, oh, well, I'm a child of God. And like, I guess it's just that overarching question of like, why isn't that like good enough for us? Like there has to be like, they want to be identified just in in something else other than that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I wonder sometimes, Holly, is that if that isn't because it, the idea of being a child of God or that's my identity, that's, it seems to be like, it's, it seems to be intangible, you know, it's like, it's not concrete. Mm. Whereas yeah, if exactly. I, I'm a youth pastor, I'm a, this is what I do. What I do defines who I am. Um, mm. Even the people I hang out with defines who I yeah. am. Uh, and that's the thing too, like we, the, some of the research shows with like the gender identity uh, issue, particularly with young girls, um, th- there's a sense of, of um, they wanting to belong to something. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine if you're a teenager and you, you're struggling with fitting in anywhere and, um, and in that, at, like every teenager, just wrestling through your sexuality, what does that mean? And so then you find a group that that really affirms uh, this wrestling with your sexuality, and you you know, like, oh well, maybe maybe I am gay, and they're telling me I'm gay because I have these feelings. Um, and then you know, and they I I you know they accept me. It doesn't matter who I am or what I who I like or any of that. They just accept, I, I want to belong. It. So then you begin to identify, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when we talk about uh, sexual orientation, uh, particularly in our contemporary youth issues class. Uh, we talk about uh, there's like a, this level. There's like it's, all, it's not like it's kind of like four levels. Maybe it's um, there's attraction. Everybody's attracted to different people. Like guys are attracted to guys. That's why you have friendships. Girls are attracted to girls. That's why you have friendships. Booze oh, and buddies. You know, they used to say yeah. Anna Green Gables and Diana. You know, like that. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So so there's there's this level of attraction, and then orientation is when you, it's like the sexual attraction or romantic attraction towards um, a consistent, persistent attraction, uh, and so same sex attractions towards the same gender obviously they're the same sex and then heterosexual is opposite 
sex. So that's, but it's consistent and persistent. Uh, and then the next level would be identification where you begin to identify with that. And so sometimes you can identify with something and then you, you, as you practice that, live it out, then that really just becomes part of your belief system, part of your worldview and your behaviors influence your, you know, your beliefs that way. Um, and then the last element is your act is the actions, right? So after identification, then, okay, this is the community I belong to. Well, I'm going to live that out now. And that's, that's our actions. And so we like, I use that as a kind of an idea for uh, sexual orientation to kind of help understand. And, um, but even like in our, in our identity in Christ, right? We, we identify something, you know, I identify as a Christian, but I don't act out, act it out. So it doesn't really become part of my identity. Right. And so that's why service in youth ministry. And that's why action and, um, try not to be legalistic saying you got to do these rules, these rules, but, but living out the path that God has and the desires that God has for our lives allows us not just to just to be a good Christian, but actually cements in our hearts um, the idea, idea of who we are in him. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's kind of wrapped up in the tangible, the concrete, like when I love my neighbor, when I, when I, I'm kind of that, that, that person who everybody's picking on, or when I, you know, I help somebody who needs help or when I, you know, I listen to my parents or when I, you know, like, all those things that we say, okay, this is what good Christians need to do, but that we're just acting out our identity. And as we act out our identity, you know, James said it, like Abraham was, was um, his faith was completed by his works, mm. right? So our faith, our identity in Christ is completed by the things we do. And so I think that's a significant um, an element of, of that needs to be part of youth ministry, but yeah. also being, being aware of the whole legalistic element of it too. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow, there's lots there. Um, I just want to back up just a minute. Um, uh, Bill C6 is what you're referring to. Uh, right, there we in go. case our listeners want to look that up, um, the federal government introducing legislation to criminalize conversion therapy related conduct. And yeah. uh, some of the fears there is it's a little bit unclear as to what that actually means and what that will mean yeah. for us in the church. Um, so uh, certainly people can look that up. And um, yeah, you're, you're reminding me of uh, what I've been feeling lately, too, a little bit around these things is our, our need to teach well around uh, theological anthropology. Like, what does it mean to be human? Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah. what does it mean to be human created by God, right? Because there's all kinds right. of ideas out there in the world about what that could mean. But what does it mean mm -hmm. to be grounded in, in God's design and God's plan? And, um, you know, Holly and I, this is part of what we were talking about yesterday. The, the, the teenage years are formation, so formational that this is when we need to be teaching these things. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about this in class today. And I don't know if Craig, if Mar had said this in any of the classes you took with him, but a couple of years ago, he said, like, as he's been doing research and reading, he's discovered that the core of our theology, you know, our main doctrines of theology are really cemented by the time we're 18. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So you think about it and, and we live in a, in a culture right now that is um, one of the markers of our, our, our society and our culture is fluidity and transience, you know, like the idea of like, let's not label anything. Let's not get stuck on any place, but let's allow freedom to move and, uh, and to not be held to one position. Yeah. Uh, and so that makes it difficult when we're saying, Hey, no, no, there is one way. Yeah. There is one God, there is one truth. Like, no, 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 let's, let's, let's not say that because there's, there's so many more options out there. Yeah. And maybe in, you know, a couple of years, you might change how you feel. And, and so I think having some good, solid, you know, teaching 
theological anthropology and understanding um, even our like our ontology, like how who are we? Who are we created to be? Like yeah. where do we get our sense of being and purpose from? Mm-hmm. So I think those things are good. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you've probably read the the uh, uh, Generation Z, the book Generation Z. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or Z for us in Canada, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, James Emery White, and he writes that the most important doctrine right now is the doctrine of humanity. That's what we need right, to be right. be uh, majoring on. So I think that's true for youth and and the church at large. There's a lot of confusion out there as to what it means to be human. Um, yeah, and I think that, like that's such an important conversation to like. Be having I like the way that you broke it down with kind of like the four like levels of attraction like that's so interesting and I feel like it's yeah it's normal I think for kids and especially teenagers like they're so like to know who you are like even I think about I'm like even in my 20s I was such a different person than I was when I was a teenager and like it's just it's insane um but for kids to even know like I guess it's normal to like kind of struggle through like maybe you do have some kind of attraction to the same gender and like that doesn't mean you automatically have to identify a certain way like it's normal and it's okay to struggle like through go through those emotions and like us as pastors and leaders to be able to like welcome with open arms and love and care is like such an important part of it and then how like yeah, it doesn't have to be like the fourth level. It doesn't have to be your identity. Like it, it's, it's such an interesting conversation that I think, yeah, yeah. so much to be had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. You just referred to your twenties as if it was past tense. <laughs> okay. Listen, <laughs> I'm 26 and it's just funny. Cause I think about it and I'm like, even like now I'm in, you know, I can officially say I'm in my mid twenties, which is uh, you know, kind of a shame, but uh, I just, I even think about like when I graduated college, I'm like, I feel like such a different person than I was. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Like the amount of growth that's happened just in like five years. So I can't imagine like trying to even figure out who I was as a teenager. Like I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know, Andrew, if you've heard this before and I don't even remember where I heard it, but when I was a youth pastor, I remember hearing that the middle school years are the period of life where the most change happens, uh, quickly. Um, just yeah. in that, those few years there, uh, there's so much going on. And yeah. I think, I think other than the, uh, like, uh, from conception, conception to birth, <laughs> I think right. the, uh, you know, like those, those are the onset of puberty, and the, the cognitive changes, the, the brain changes in the brain, the changes in the body, the changes in the emotions and the social emotional stuff is, yeah, it's massive in that time frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think, or how do you think uh, youth ministry, and you can broaden this to the church at large if you'd like, um, how do you think things are going to change post COVID? Uh, change from now or change from like pre COVID? Uh, change from pre COVID, I think. Right. Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. Uh, I think that the way we will, I think we will change, but I think we won't change or we shouldn't anyways. The way we will change is just our methods. Obviously, online will become a a more permanent part of our ministry. Before we were like, we always talked about you have to have an online presence. You have to kind of, but now they're like, I was just talking to our pastor and three of our staff members have pivoted to being like basically online pastors, mm-hmm. like digital space stuff where they're, they're taking care of curating content of providing all that kind of stuff. And so, so we're hiring, maybe we, maybe we, we would have had like an associate pastor, a youth pastor, a, C, a lead pastor. Now we'll have a digital or online pastor. Right. You know what I mean? And wow. that, their whole role, which means we have to change what we're teaching up here to some extent, right? We need to offer things 
at some at other Bible colleges where we're training pastors, like there needs to be an element of this technical, what does it mean to disciple digitally? Mm. And so I think that's, that's a big piece. There's a couple of good resources that have come out in the last couple of years, what this looks like and uh, recognizing that the world particularly now is, is, is Gen Z. So uh, those in Gen Z are, the last, the last, I think Barna takes it says it goes to two, 2015. So, so you think about that, that's uh, six year olds and uh, are, are now the next generation. So that's generation alpha. So you got in about six years or so, Holly, you'll have a new generation of, uh, oh. of youth. And even now it's starting, you're starting to see it, it now um, oh, okay. where the digital space is just as real mm. as the physical space. Mm. And so one of the things in a, um, that is the future, I believe, part of the future of the youth ministry is we need to learn, teach or help disciple, not just using digital tools, but help disciple our youth how to be a follower of Christ in the digital world. Mm. Because mm. the digital world, it used to be there's a physical world and the digital world, and you, they're kind of separate. You know, you, you play a role-playing game, or, you know, it used to be when I was... I'm trying to remember uh, World of Warcraft, I think was the massive one when I was a youth pastor, right? So now yeah. almost every video game that comes out is got some kind of online element to it. Yeah. Um, and it's not just you're just playing online. You're playing with buddies. Like my son, when the pandemic hit and school just shut down here, um, he was on there. Like his school time, he was on there with his friends playing games. And so even now, like he'll come from school, he sees some kids at friends at school, but there's other friends that don't go to a school that he can't see. He hasn't seen his best friend in probably six months, mm. but he hangs out with him every single day. Yeah. Totally. And that fosters the relationship and, and all those kind of things. And, um, and so the question we have to ask ourselves is how much does, does our actions on the digital space affect our relationship with Christ? Mm. Because it's easy to say, okay, how you live your life in the physical world, if you treat someone bad in the physical world, you know, that, that's, you, that's not living like Christ. But for some reason I can kill people online or I could do atrocious things, but because it's online or in a digital way, or it's okay. Mm. Right. There's no, there's no, and I'm not like, I haven't, I haven't wrestled enough with the moral implications to have like a, this is my position on it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that as particularly youth pastors, Holly, and if you're not, a, if you're not a gamer, then you need to find people who are gamers around you. Or even as a parent, if you're, your kids in the games, and, but you're not, it's how do we wrestle with the, the spiritual implications of online actions? Right? And not necessarily even just online actions with other people. Like if I'm bullying somebody online, oh yeah, that's okay. But there are some games out there. Like there's one game where, um, and I remember grade five playing Grand Theft Auto. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that game. Like oh, it's, yeah. it, some of the stuff is atrocious in there. So yeah. if kids are engaging in that, what is the effect on their soul? Hmm. So, so not just the, using digital technology to disciple, because we, you know, there's Twitch and there's, uh, there's, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, uh, one of my students uses it. To, it's a great tool for connecting you together. I mean, we got like Discord. Thank you. Yeah, my yeah. my 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 kids and their cousins all have Discord, and they yeah. play Among Us while they're talking oh, on Discord. Yeah. Right? Classic. <laughs> yeah, great tools. <laughs> great tools yeah. for digital discipleship. But yeah. beyond that, how do we take the discipleship? Recognize this is a, this is it's not a physical place, but it's a real place. Mm -hmm. It's a real space. And the the actions and the values and all that that are taking place in there affect our spiritual walk as well. Mm. And yeah. so how do we help youth become discerning in that? So I think that's one of the changes mm. that we'll see, or we need to see anyways in youth ministry. Um, well, that I think people crave community too much to, for everything to be online. 
like my daughter's telling me the other day, you know what? I, I don't want to go to zoom youth. I want to go to real youth. Yeah. Right? They want to, they want to be with each other. And, um, and hopefully as time goes on, um, the, the restrictions are lessened. Uh, we are, we're able to have more of that community because that community is so important in adolescence. It's one of the most significant yeah. pieces. Um, and so, so that'll, that'll be, that'll, that's something we need to think about, but then the, what doesn't change is our mission, mm-hmm. right? We're still called to, to go into the world and make disciples, you know, teaching them, baptizing them, teaching them to obey the commands of Christ, you know, helping them to love their neighbor, um, and reaching those that don't know Jesus, bringing them the hope of salvation into their lives. And, uh, and so, yeah, the way we do that probably changed because I, I was listening to, um, uh, one of my students' dads was talking about, he's in Ontario and he was talking about uh, what, what about the future of buildings? Like what are, what are buildings going to be used for? And he said, like, you know, we need to think beyond like, this is the, where the church just gathers, but this is, this is how we make connection with our community. Mm-hmm. And so uh, every part of our, our church this is what he's arguing is it's a, it's about connection over content. Not that content's not important, but every element of the church that they built a new church. So they're thinking through this, you know, philosophically, theologically, every element of their church needed to be able to f- facilitate this idea of connection. So how do we connect? And not just with those in the church, but those in the community. And so I think connection in the next few years, particularly are so significant because so much connection has been lost with COVID. People just don't know how to connect in a digital world, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they had connections, but we know from the research, you can read all the books like um, uh, Sherry Turkle has a great book, uh, Reclaiming Conversation about how social media has really hindered our ability to have conversations, mm-hmm. right? And how do we get yeah. that back? Um, and then there's another one called the happiness effect where it's like social media. All we want to do is on social media. It's just, you got to be happy. We're going to post up that makes us happy, makes us feel happy. So we don't really get into the, the deep stuff that we need where we could get in face to face. And so learning how to connect in, a, in an effective way in a digital space, but also as you know, the, the virus um, or the vaccine comes and we can get back to some community face to face community, what that looks like. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to follow that up, uh, and I'm borrowing from a question a little further down. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the, the debate has begun um, about post-pandemic church and online church. And, uh, right. you know, we've been online exclusively, mostly, for almost a year already. Um, and s- some of the research that I've seen says that younger people prefer that online church to actually going to church. Um, and I think uh, yeah, I'll refer to myself as an older person here. Um, uh, older people can can sometimes look at that and say, "Well, that's too bad for them. They should just come to the building because that's that's better." So, how do you handle that dynamic with everything that you've just said about the importance of community and physical community, but also the opportunity to reach people who might not come to the building if there was an online option? How, like, is that okay for someone to be involved in a church virtually? Or where do you where do you draw the line? Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I just had this conversation with our pastor uh, a couple of days ago. What they they've put a lot of thought into what's going to happen next, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's it is an interesting dynamic. Uh, and I have I don't have research. I just have a uh, a speculation or a mm-hmm. feeling that sometimes that people are preferring online church because it removes accountability and it mm-hmm. removes the hard the hard uh, um, 
I'll just say hardness. It's not the right word, but just this idea, like following Christ is not, is not meant, is not easy. Yeah. Right. Particularly in the culture we live in, but it's a lot easier when I don't have to look my friend in the face or my neighbor in the face and, and yeah. I can do church how I want to do church. Um, I can roll out of bed when I want. And there's so, and I don't want to say it's a lack of discipline because I don't want to sound like an old person either. <laughs> this generation is so, yeah. um, but I think that, I think it, and, and again, this, from my theological perspective and what I've seen, I think uh, developmentally faith wise, no, no physical gathering, just all online, I think hinders uh, adolescent faith development. Mm. Because uh, apart from they, maybe their parents or like my my wife's parents live with us. So my kids have those sets of grandparents, but they haven't seen my parents in almost a year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we lack that intergenerational modeling of worship, modeling of service, um, moral a moral um, development is, is hindered, I think. Uh, and then uh, as well as this, the sense of like, there are some, like for us, we have six in our house because uh, my two kids, my wife, and then her parents. And so, and, and then we have close friends that we, you know, we still connect to, uh, you know, like on the phone or go for a walk or, you know, socially distance outside while we, we have a little chat. Um, but it, I don't, I don't think it's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're, we're not feeling too bad, but then there's others who are like, they're by themselves. Yeah. Like we have friends um, that are single. And so, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry has allowed for some engagement there, which has been helpful. Uh, but I mean, not just mentally, I mean, mental health is already, we already see, you see all the different uh, reports coming out mental health wise, but, but just spiritual wise, I think it's, I think it's going to hurt the church spiritually because it's, it's, um, and I'm not saying that you have to like, uh, how do I say this? Like, I think it's going to hurt loyalty to the church. Not that, you know, in some churches, giving is fine and everything is good that way. But, but, and I don't say that you have to be, you know, always go to this church and, and, and be legalistic about it. But I think there's something about being loyal to your local expression where you have a community that holds you accountable, you hold them accountable and you grow in mutual faith. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and not only that, you, we miss, there's something intangible about believers gathering together where the the manifest presence of God is hmm. like, there is something different. Like, and I, yeah. I, I know people can argue all they want for me, but there is a big difference when I am surrounded by a, a, a crowd of, of believers mm-hmm. and we are worshiping God together. There, there's a sense that the presence of God is there and something significant is happening. And there's a movement that I, I think is, is, can slow down or hinder spiritual growth and fair formation. Cause we need those high moments and those low moments, right? We grow in the low moments, but the high moments are, you know, where we really experience God, they keep us going, but they, they provide the seed for the low moments where we can, we can continue to grow. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I think, and again, I'm just speculating what I see in culture. You, uh, there tends to be pushback from generation to generation. And yeah. so this generation alpha is coming, is going to be defined by this pan- pandemic. Right. This is going to be their defining moment. You know, millennials were defined by 9-11, but this is for generation alpha for the ones coming up. And I I just sense that there'll be a pushback against the online digital um, idea 
mm. of church. There will always be those that prefer that. And yeah. it could be various reasons. Maybe yeah, this is a way for me to go to a church that I couldn't go to before. Uh, and the preaching, I really like the worship. This is a way for me to engage in church, but not have to have the face-to-face accountability, you know. Um, but one thing we're lacking too, and this is something that my pastor brought up, is the ability, like, uh, oftentimes the gathering together is is one of the key places where people can serve, mm-hmm. where they can love one another. Yeah. And particularly in the pandemic, I, it's not like I can go up my community and be involved. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, so I don't, I don't really have a place that I, yeah. you know, and lots of people are finding that I don't have a place. And so if you don't, if, there, if you don't have a place to serve, then also you don't have that sense of ownership. Like this is my church and I, I belong here and this is my people. And therefore my identity is wrapped up in this. And so now we're having, well, where is my identity? Where, who are my people? And, and so those shifts I think will take place. So I think that what we will find is that people will gravitate towards one or the other. But I believe the majority of people will want to be back in some kind of face-to-face, even the younger generations, because we see mm-hmm. students at UBC are, are are rebelling. They're like, we don't want an online, you know, we paid, I mean, for them, it's a return on investment, right? We paid all this money for this education, but we're not getting the same quality online as we would get in person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right? We're one of the only Bible college, one of the few Bible colleges that's online, like, you know, PLC, that's, that's, that's not online, that's physical. Our students, we're, our dorms are full. Because yeah. students want to be here. They want to be around you. They want community. And so I think that, yeah, the research might show that maybe they prefer, say they prefer online. Uh, but I think we get to a saturation point for what, and this is my fear. And I could have said this, I guess, before. But one of the dangers, I think, and the threats is that we this pandemic and online church, and I'm not making a judgment call about online church, but I do believe it feeds an apathetic Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that it's easy, it's easy for me. Okay, I watch my 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 church like it's a TV show, and now I've done my that's my weekly episode, and I'm good, and I can carry on with the rest of my life. It's not it's not part of who I am. It's just another thing I do. You know, I watch a couple different shows, you know, a week with my wife. We have some shows we love to watch, um, and and church is one of them. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't become a sig- significant part of my my life and my identity anymore. So I think that's a danger we have to be aware of. Yeah. yeah that's great yeah that's so true like and it's interesting so i want to know too like why you think it is in your professional opinion that yeah because it's interesting that some people especially around my age they're probably like yeah i'm more leaning towards that like kind of apathetic like i'll just watch this as a tv show but I, and i've never also heard i've never heard the term of the generation alpha so that's really interesting to me but i'm wondering why like people that are younger like have such a hard time engaging on zoom like i know for myself sometimes leading small group conversations can be like such a struggle and i wonder like in your opinion why do you think it is that we have such a hard time like doing all you know what that's a that's a good question i've been asking myself because my kids hate it you know google yeah, totally. google meets at school oh my goodness they why do we have them i'm like it's three times a week for an hour and they're like i <laughs> yeah. hate this right um and it's funny because if they're going online like they have to have a curated space Mm-hmm. Right for me, I mean, this is as curated as again. You can see my toys in the background, my Superman, my my <laughs> books. But like, yeah. um, you know, uh, we have to. I don't know for a generation that is like everything is online, everything's on the camera. They just don't like being on the camera. Yeah, it's in so this true. context. Yeah, which is weird. And I, like, I don't. There's probably a psychological reason that, um, and Zoom fatigue. Obviously, there's just so much of it. One thing might might be this is, uh, did you know this, that when you w- are watching a screen, you blink like way less than you normally blink. And so if you spend a day on your computer <laughs> and your eyes are, are, are sore, 
it's be, it's not because and it's because you don't blink. Mm. Oh. It's like playing video games, watching TV, any of that kind of stuff. So because um, my ophthalmologist said you need to you need to blink more. <laughs> so yeah. this is it's the twenty. <laughs> wow. it's, I think it's the twenty 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 or something. Every twenty minutes, take a twenty second break and blink twenty times. I've heard the twenty 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 thing. <laughs> yeah. that's so um, hmm. so I think so that's part of it. Also, I don't know about you, but if you spend like a day, like I have a buddy, he's, he uh, he works from home. Um, he's on the IT end of things. And uh, he says, oh, it's just, I'm, I'm exhausted, mentally exhausted. Yeah. Uh, partly, I wonder too, is because when you're online like this, you feel like you have to be on. Totally. Like teaching classes. I, um, when I'm the teacher, even now, like I'm, I'm the guest, but I still, I feel like I need to entertain, right? I feel like I need to present right. away and. Uh, and in my classes, I have one class we do totally online because uh, half are here at school and half are not. So it's easier. We just do Google Meet. It's fantastic. Lots of conversation. Uh, but I'm more tired from that class than I am the other ones. Like like mentally, like my head hurts and yeah. my eyes are hurt and my sore. I got to blink a, a lot more. And uh, so I think I think maybe that's part of it. I'm not 100% sure. Like, it's just hard to engage in that space. So here's the thing. If you took it offline and put it on Discord and played Among Us while you're doing your, your Bible study, I wonder if you'd have more you'd have more success than having this kind of conversation. You know what I mean? Oh, literally. That's like the end of our youth nights. We always end playing Among Us. <laughs> so instead, instead of ending playing Among Us, try and, do, try and experiment and wrap your Bible study around Among Us. <laughs> now, there's a I, I, I mean... It, it, you might it might be a total bust but then you might yeah. all of a sudden see the kids are more willing to talk i don't know yeah maybe. I, i'm just i'm trying to think of with my kids um yeah less the less the, i guess the less structure because too on you know, zoom with school a lot of it's online they're structured uh it's it's structured like school the teacher talks for a, an hour they have to listen this is so boring um mm -hmm finding ways to engage them online is more difficult there's way more distractions that they have around them uh they totally. can just turn off their camera if they want and, and clean their room not that they're going to clean their room <laughs> you know yeah you know and, and they're probably and to be honest like they're probably playing among us while they're on oh yeah anyways <laughs> it's so funny like sometimes and our leaders sometimes we have like different perspectives on it because like i know that yeah some of the kids are playing video games when they're there they'll have their cameras off and like i'm on the one hand where i'm like you know what they're here so that's all that I care about. And then there's the other leaders who will kind of say like, oh, I want them to pay attention. And like, I get that too. But I'm also like, they could be just playing video games and not also be engaging. Yeah, no. So at least what? they're like here. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to find ways to make connection, right? So so whether that's yeah, exactly. like being like, like crazy and playing a game with them while you're having a conversation on Discord. Because uh, yeah. I, I hear my kids, like I, I can't do it. I've played Among Us. I'm terrible at it. Uh, first time I played it, I walked right by a dead body, didn't see it, and then uh, my niece who saw me do that said said I was a murderer. I'm like, I don't even understand what you guys are talking about. But then I, I listened to them. They're on Discord talking. They're texting on the app and playing the game all at the same time. Yeah, totally. So they have the capacity to do that. It's us leaders that maybe don't have the capacity. So part of what we might need to do is, is um, begin to delegate some of that to them. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, I want you to help me lead this. Like I'll, I'll provide the content. I don't, you don't need to stress about providing content, but I need you to help me lead the discussion. I can give you the, you know, and just keep people ordered and, and stuff like that. Maybe something like that or giving them more ownership. 
because it, you know when when you have to say something it's uh you're going to be a little bit more prepared so everybody you need to have yeah. your cameras on we want to be engaged uh and, and then um we're going to watch this short five minute little teaching and then i'm we're going to go around and i want you guys to say one thing that stood out to you mm-hmm. and then branch your conversation off that so that what that means now is that instead of this like linear which i like linear sequential yeah. teaching that i yeah. provided the content uh my wife uh coined a term in her master's called rhizomatic kairos moments so the a rhizome is like a weed that it kind of grows out from the center just goes in every direction there's no yeah. beginning there's no end it just it comes from the center and what i love about that is in revelation um in in the first chapter when there's john has the vision of christ um and it's a, the the description of christ is like a, a chiasm so it goes you know it starts a b c d and then c b a right and so but right in the middle the a chiasm the most important part of the list is the middle and in the middle is the word of god it's the the voice coming so it's christ is in the middle this so this idea that that um like and christ is in the middle of in the and then then uh, the christ is in the midst of the lampstands in the midst so he's in the center right so christ is the center but out of there depending on how the conversation goes or where you start from we allow um these uh molecular lines instead of a molar line, a molecular line that just kind of goes off and we follow it. Mm. And for me, it drives me crazy because that's more a, a random thinking. I'm a very sequential, yeah. but <laughs> I've seen the, I've seen the benefit. So when I designed my catechism, that was the first thing I, we, we do is like, we have a, we use a whiteboard or whatever. Let's brainstorm. We're going to talk about sin today. What do you guys know about sin? Well, mm. all different ideas. And, and, and so like, and on my thing, if I'm doing like a, a Google meet, I share my screen and I can write on, you know, like, as if it's a whiteboard so that sometimes that's helpful or you can have kids you know do that kind of stuff i don't know exactly the technology piece behind it you have to figure that out but then you can just say brainstorm and then from there you can you can you know branch off like you have ideas of what you want to talk about and where you want to guide it because we're really guides um and that's a that's a shift in education too is that instead of i have all this information i need to download to you i want to help you discover and construct what we're going to learn like obviously you don't necessarily have the information but i'm going to help you find it i'm going to help you discover it i'm going to help you understand it uh and but that might go off on a tangent or talking about something that we we weren't going to talk about mm-hmm. right so um in our conversation this one we hadn't even got to that this one in my when i was doing my doctoral work i was doing a, a practice um uh I was, I was doing a test i had a test group and in there, the guy, they were just talking about Star Wars. They asked a new Star Wars to come out or whatever. He's like talking about this one guy's so awesome. He's, so, he's talking about Star Wars in the game. And the girls are like, I don't understand any more Star Wars. So he <laughs> begins explaining about Star Wars and even the video games. And he's talking about Darth Vader. And it just, boom, because we were talking about sin that day. And I just, it, we, I, we started talking about the dark side and Ooh. how you can go to the dark side. And then <laughs> I was just able to segue it in perfectly in. But they were already awesome. had an understanding from a cultural artifact that they understood right so instead of me trying to bring my meaning and hey this is what sin is this is what the bible says about sin and we did talk about that we started in a place where they were super comfortable and the conversation actually came from them and i just pointed to hey you already know this stuff this is but you're saying it in a different way that just takes i mean i think that's time and practice and i think for for us particular holly i think it's just helping train leaders in what that looks like and being okay with it being a little chaotic and messy i struggle with that i want everything in order totally. i'm learning more and more even in my classes even like today in class I'll, i tell them now at the beginning of the semester listen there's two things about me one 
Uh, and the one thing you need to know is I'm easily distracted. <laughs> so feel free to <laughs> yeah. distract me. And the reason I say that is because sometimes they're just, they're trying to distract me, but it actually takes us down a great teaching. Mm. Yeah. And I want to be open to that. Yeah. But it struggles because I want to be seen as the expert who this is the way it is. And I, you need to know this information. But oftentimes they have a perspective I'd never thought of that is very valid and, and mm. valuable. So. Yeah. Mm. That's a, a youth pastor victory when you take that cultural moment and yeah. uh, make the time. Yeah. That's always, that's always <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you just need to play Holly among us with the kids and talk about how Judas was like an imposter. That's yeah. probably yeah, the, that's, right. that, that's the one right there. So. Yeah. If someone betrays their friend. Like one time I, I voted yeah. off the other imposter. I didn't know you weren't supposed to. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. Oh, that's so funny. And she's like, "Why?" It was my niece. She's like, "Why would you? Why would you tell them to vote for me?" I'm like, "Are you supposed to? You betrayed me." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know that." Uh, I'm relating so much with you here, Andrew. Holly actually tried to teach my wife and I to play Among Us, and yeah. uh, I I was so lost. I have no idea what's going on in that game. Oh, so, well, I, well yeah. you know, it's funny because uh, when you say that, because my wife will play once in a while. So yeah. on Thanksgiving, we couldn't really see anybody, right? So um, we everybody we as a family we played Among Us, but we were all in different locations. Yeah, yeah. On, on Thanksgiving, but we yeah. had again, we were able to talk, and we were so that yeah. was a way that we were able to engage. And so I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but really, what are ways that you can engage them and then yeah. slip in your conversation, yeah. not a bait and switch, like yeah. oh we're hey come play laser tag, and now I'm going to just sit you down and preach the gospel. Yeah, totally. Yeah. More of like in our life that we're doing together at this moment, let's kind of relate this to what it means to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's, a, it's an interesting challenge because I too am very much, I like kind of order and like, I, but I love that idea of just kind of having even one topic and like, just kind of letting it branch out the way it goes. Cause then it's like really student led, which I think is mm -hmm. awesome too. But that, yeah, that's something I would need to get over to and myself, just because I also, I like <laughs> having all my notes like written out. I like to read it. So yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a good challenge for sure. Yeah. yeah but I, I love what it does. I mean, cause, cause shouldn't really all yeah. of us as Christ followers be doing that? Like looking around at life and saying, mm -hmm. how does this relate to the gospel? Like, sh shouldn't that be yeah. all of us all the time doing that in our lives? And so the more yeah, that we can model true. it in uh, yeah. our, our students, uh, it is awesome. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, I, I think uh, last for me and then Holly, you can, if there's anything last you want to get to, uh, I just wonder if there's any kind of encouragement, uh, Andrew, that you would give either to parents or to, to youth workers um, working with young people these days. It's, it's a hard time. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Holly and I heard even this morning of a family going through some really hard stuff. Uh, what kind of encouragement would you speak right now? Uh, well, I think the, the most important thing for us to remember, even though we don't feel it, but God is in control. Yeah. Um, that's something we wrestle with in our world is, is sovereignty of God. And um, like, where is he in all of this? Particularly when you're, you're walking through with a youth, maybe there's uh, the domestic violence has increased because of, because of the pandemic and the restrictions, yeah. or um, they're going through just a significant um, battle with mental health. And which is made worse again by the restrictions in the pandemic or just, you know, a crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, the, the difficult part is like, and I recognize this for, for um, Holly, for you and for your leaders is before I would just say, Hey, let's just go grab a coffee. Let's go grab a milkshake. Yes. Let's, let's sit down and talk. And I'm here for you. 
Um, and to do that now in an online place, it seems ingenuous. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It doesn't. So find ways to, to connect and communicate. Um, and I know this is being recorded. So if Bonnie Henry hears this, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, Craig, if you don't want Holly to do this, you can tell her afterwards, but sometimes you got to break the rules. <laughs> right. And, and not, not in a, not in a, because it's my right or anything like that. It's because I care more about your soul than I care about obeying that law yeah. or, or even that recommendation at this moment. Yeah. So well, I, I think we have, yeah. mm -hmm. I was going to say, I find there's like ways that we can work with the rules too. Like, cause even mm -hmm. now, like instead of going out for coffee, like I'll just go for a walk with a student, which Perfect, uh, yeah, yeah, technically I, I think that's allowed. I, it's, it's going with yeah, like the rules I, are clear. So well, yeah. I think she says, as long as you're walking, yeah. <laughs> once you stop, then you're in trouble. Yeah. But exactly. um, yeah, no, so that's good. That's creative going for a walk. But I think I'm thinking just situations where, you know, it's just so they just need intervention right now yeah. and they need you. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, totally. and then for, you know, for youth work and for, for parents in particular, don't give up on your kid. Um, mm -hmm. like, even if they're like, they're walking through some depression and mental health issues right now. Yeah. Um, if you are invested in the life of your kid, if you spend time with them, if you connect, connection is the most important thing. If you connect with them, they might walk through some, some, some significant moments of depression or anxiety, but they will always have you to bring them out. You know what I mean? Like, like you're there. I don't know how to explain, like not, not from a psychological or a counseling perspective, but just from a parental um, perspective, having two teenagers and uh, doing a couple, you know, over a decade in youth ministry, watching teenagers who are, are struggling at this moment to see them a, a month later doing so much better. And the reason they're doing so much better is because people have just stayed with them in the journey, mm -hmm. not trying to fix it, just being there with them. Yeah. And I yeah. think that for parents particularly, because it's terrifying as parents, when your kid says, you know, I feel, I think I'm depressed or yeah. I'm having a panic attack or I'm having anxiety. Like um, for me as a parent now, it changes everything that, you know, like how I respond to that. And I, when I was a youth pastor, I'm like, Oh, just relax and take it easy. But as a parent, I'm like freaking out. Oh no. You know, my kid's struggling with this. And, um, yeah. but just kind of taking a step back and, and saying, this is for a season. It's, it's just pandemic for a season. It's a hard season. Um, but God is in control and God is, we just need to keep pressing into him and staying connected to our kids. That is the most important. So as youth workers, find ways to stay connected, play the games you hate, play among us with them, you know, uh, get on, jump on the Xbox, uh, on the PS5, whatever you need to do to play. Cause they're, they're there anyways. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Interact with them online in ways that are appropriate, obviously, but in, in ways that, that they feel like you hear their voice, that they matter. Um, and those kind of things. So even like, I know it's, it's silly. I don't want to perpetuate the whole, um, narcissistic culture we live in, but liking their, the things they post, mm, right? totally. they know, they, they see yeah. it, right? They know. It's and so, so um, so being, being intentional about that, I think is important. Yeah, cool. that's so true. And I, I've seen like our, our high school leaders too, especially are trying to like get online and play like video games with the kids too. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's so great. Cause then it just goes past like, just the like monday or thursday night like it's all the time yeah. and they've got like group chats going so then it's like yeah, yeah you're have the ability to talk like outside of that too which i absolutely love yeah yeah um, i think that's good i think so i think that's good like the intentionality in that because then that um i don't I, 
just in case you need a defense of playing video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing all day, Holly? Oh, playing video games. No. That's uh, right. You know, it, it, but it's yeah. the intentionality is is that you know like having group chats and and not everything needs to come back to Jesus all the time, but you're you're totally. making connection, right? Yeah. You're exactly. making connection. You're being intentional about it, and you can show that. Listen, I'm, yeah. these are the kids I'm connected with. This is how I'm connected because I can't see them. You know, mm-hmm. so I think I think that's wise. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I love that point too about like, you don't have to bring like every conversation to Jesus. Like, and I think obviously that's our ultimate goal. And, mm-hmm. but, but uh, it's funny because I think some kids like they can pick up on it. Like if you are trying to turn every conversation into that, like yeah. they're like, oh, I'm not I'm your yeah. ministry. Like they know. So it's funny to yeah. like, kind of like walk that line. And I feel like, right. yeah, once there's more of those very natural conversations, then like the spiritual conversations can come up a lot easier. Hello, there's yeah. my cat. Um, yeah, I feel like that seems like kind of a great place to kind of end. But before you sure. go, I'm introducing a game into this podcast. So <laughs> if you have like two minutes, we would love yeah, to play sure. a game with you. And it's called Do You Know Me? So basically the way <laughs> this game works is we'll ask a question about you, Andrew. And then Craig and I will give our answers. And so we'll okay. kind of guess. So one of the questions I was going to ask you was, has Andrew played among us? Yeah. So then, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Craig and I would give right. our answer. <laughs> yeah. And then you will give your answer. <laughs> So this is uh, the first question. Is the, you're the first uh, contestant on the podcast Sweet. to ever play this game. So yeah, this is a, a Holly classic. So the first question um, for Craig and myself is, has Andrew ever done a polar bear swim? I'm going to go yeah. with yes. I am also going to go with yes. You are correct. Nice. You are correct. <laughs> I was much younger and I could handle it, but I have done one. <laughs> That's awesome. Where did you do it? Uh, my hometown, Power River. Mm. I, I'm glad you didn't the say Power Winnipeg because that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that that. Actually, you know what? The funny thing in Winnipeg, we were on a pastors retreat in Gimli, which is just outside of Winnipeg, um, in the middle of winter, and so there's three feet of snow on the ground. So a oh. couple of us to say, "Hey, let's go jump in the snow." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> jump, dude. I did like a. Uh, uh, snow angel and then just dove back in the pool i just oh, felt like my burnt, my skin was gonna melt right off oh my <laughs> so, gosh <okay>. oh. <laughs> wow that's actually amazing i am remembering that i also have done a polar bear swim in Powell river the one time that i went <laughs> here <laughs> yeah it was, i went uh if you remember like villa faves obviously we went with them to their house one year over spring break and right. uh, yeah yep i did a polar bear swim yeah. um <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah so the next question, um, do we think Andrew can name five songs by the Beatles? And <laughs> I am going to say, I'm going to say yes. I feel like you're a cultured guy. At least like three. <laughs> uh, well, that's not the question, though. Three that's true. Not that's the question. question. The question. Yeah. I'm going to say yes because even if he could, I wouldn't know if he was just making it up. Because right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I would love to say yes. I know one. Hey Jude. Yeah, that is one. Is one. Uh, but that is that's because one. that I learned that when I took piano lessons when I was in grade eight. Nice. <laughs> right, and then um. I want to say there's another one. Uh, no, that's John. Well, I know a John Lennon song, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'm category. not a musical person. I don't, I, that's about all I got is Hey Jude. 
<laughs> you know what? That's one. So that's great. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, has Andrew ever broken a bone? I don't know this. Well, he, gonna... he's already referenced he's involved with hockey, so I'm saying yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'll say yes as well. And you're incorrect. <gasps> I've, oh. I've, I've sprained my ankle a number of times, and I have uh, sprained my wrist, but I've never broken a bone. Okay. Oh, lucky guy. Yeah. I feel like you're <laughs> yeah, in I'm, Well, yeah, I, I play hockey like um, like I run away. I don't I don't get hit. <laughs> <laughs> good uh, good move <laughs> nice oh that's great and my last question is does andrew go on tiktok so what do you what do you mean go on like has he ever gone on or does he have an account is that what are you asking yeah see that's because mm. i yeah, say we'll yeah I'm going to say, yes, he's been on, but no, he doesn't have his own account. That's what I'm going to say. Because that's what I would think too. I don't think you have your own account, but you have teenagers. So I'm sure that they've like showed you TikToks or they've sent you TikToks. But uh, that, yeah, that's my official guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an account. And actually, you know what's interesting? My kids don't have an account either. Oh. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's partly me, but partly yeah. them. Um, <laughs> and... I, the only place I've seen TikToks is on Instagram. Oh, and yeah. actually, I didn't even get Instagram till last year. We made them what? wait till they were 14 to Instagram. And then uh, my daughter asked for TikTok. And I said, and I, I said, I want you to give me a good reason why you think you need TikTok. Ooh. So when she got Instagram, she wrote me a letter of all the oh. reasons she felt nice. it was good for her to have TikTok oh. or That's Instagram. Awesome. But after thinking about TikTok, she's like, Dad, you're right. I'm just going to watch videos and waste more time. So maybe it's better. I don't have it. And then, I mean, now that they have reels, they have, yeah. yeah, they have like reels and all that stuff. But it, basically, Instagram is like TikTok now, anyway. So, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's that, yeah, that's but, the uh, most thing I've ever heard. The amount of time I waste on TikTok, it's the app where I actually spend yeah. most of my time now. It's, oh, it's I believe it. Just, yeah, it goes by it. so fast. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so that's awesome. that's one app I never, I never did try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe one day. Awesome. Well, yeah, you never know. I thought I you was going to go to Instagram, but here we are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the podcast today. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, it was, Thanks, Andrew. It was yeah. my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this was a great conversation. So yeah, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Shout out to Caleb Rosborough, our producer and uh yeah hope you have a great uh, rest of your day whoever wherever you are listening to this and uh yeah the end by holly <laughs> <laughs>